You know those S's from high school? Yeah. I was doing that. Cool. That's as good a spot as any. Mm, okay. Ladies and future boys, welcome to a new year with the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast currently playing Cyberpunk 2078. My name is Toby DePola, and I hope you have had a good break over the holidays. We celebrated Christmas when Santa Claus died for our sins, and his resurrection on New Year's when he crawled out of that cave and invented time. At any rate... Mm, we- no. Alright? No. Yeah. At any rate, we finished last year with part one of Santa A new year is either imminent or happened. <laughs> Depending on what my producer, Kaya Steen, decides. It's, it's weird. I, you know, for Christmas, I asked for ultimate cosmic power and it was granted. Yeah. Now, now it's your decision if we have another year. Mm. We're just going to reboot 2020. Yeah. So Prepare. when you heard us last, we were doing Sam and Slim, which is the beginning of an amazing series by Richard Cadry. Um, so now that our Christmas break is over, it is back to our regular scheduled Hellion hijinks. Uh-huh. Joining me on my satanic sleigh ride is my producer, Kyle. I am. That's right. I'm present. And um, I am a present. Oh, yeah? Right through the whole year. You're a gift. Alright. Where where did we get to last? Stop. Remind the dead. listeners. Oh, no. He got stabbed by a gladius, which is a sword of fire that angels can wield. Yeah, angel lightsabers. Pretty much. Which we confirmed with a religious person exist. I said they existed. I know. You just don't accept my ultimate cosmic power. Well, we asked a professional. I think my sister counts as a professional. She's been to... So have I. So have you. Yeah, but that was outside. I and mean, I wasn't really... <laughs> anyway. So, Stark died, like you said. Sort of. He got stabbed. Yeah, he got stabby-stabbied. Um, he wakes up in Doc King's exam room. So the Doc is a important and yet not important character throughout the series. Yeah. Um, Vidoc had dobbed him into the Golden Vigil to maybe talk some sense into him. Um, obviously Vidoc didn't expect the angel to flip out like that. Anyway, he and Allegro were nearby to take the body away, preserve it and get it to Kingski, because they were there. Yeah. From here out, though, the King, the Kingski is getting... The, fuck me. Kingski and Kesey look the same on my notes. Um, the Kesey are getting wild, um, as we covered last time. They're the evil buggy versions of angels. They were the things that found life in darkness while God was Well, he was hanging out, doing Adam. Yeah, so they are probably doing what Alita was afraid of, um, starting to really get wild. Um, they are, you know, they're, they're possessing humans and just doing crimes. It's fun. They're, I, I know they don't look like it. Obviously, they wouldn't look like it, but they kind of have, like, deadite vibes in a sense that they kind inhabit of. a human and then just cause shit. Yeah. It's kind of in that Gremlins line of, not necessarily evil, but evil. No, they In like just, a riot kind of evil. They enjoy causing severe shenanigans. Yes. They played too much Saints Row as children and now they're like this. Yeah, that's, that's a good, it's like playing Saints Row, but real life yeah. Saints Row. Um, an example of the crimes I do is killing a girl who works at the donut place that Stark frequent. Upon this act, he decides to give the Kishi some shit. He's like, this woman is selling donuts. She has green hair. Why? She's got antennas that jingle. Why? I do love him as a character in his priority stuff. They're like, literally cosmic shit is going wrong and he's like, I don't care. And then they're like, they killed the lady who serves you donuts when she's working. Not every time, but on a shift she will serve you donuts. And he's like, alright, this means war now. You have touched my shit. 
you you say You that? come into my donuts, you rustle my jimmies. Technically it was his apple fritters. Um not yet, because as they kill her, they recommend the do- the apple oh. fritters. That's why he starts eating them after he kills those dudes out of spite. He starts to eat them just to rub it in. I, I do Not love... only am I still alive, but I'm eating your favourite treat. I do love <laughs> that that's his like I will now this is my new favourite thing. Because you don't know. No, because you or don't get it. Because anymore. you like it. Yeah. Or you know Like constantly using Mason's lighter and referring it to it as such. I have your lighter. Yeah, it's so petty. I find his keepless. I stole his I stole your your fucking lighter. Like <laughs> That you weren't using for the past, you know, ten um, years. Eleven years depending on when he put it there. But, uh, you know. It's mine now. We're getting close to a decade with a lighter and a wall. It's like, yeah, well, I took it. And ladies and gentlemen, it is legitimately mine now. I know. You're very excited. Thank, thank you. Yep. Merry Christmas to me. It's great. We should do a free period where we just inventory our Christmas presents. Mason's lighter. Yep. So, they have killed his donor lady. He a mad. Yeah. Fuck you. A gas can in each hand with... A souvenir shirt torn and stuffed into the mouths of the cans. Stark knocks on the door of the neo-Nazi clubhouse. Um, which, as you remember, the owner of which is a Kishi named Yosef. Yeah. Yep. But he looks like an old dude. Well, the inhabiting people. I wonder if that dude was a Nazi before. Oh. Did you wonder that? that like That wh- adds a whole other problem to this. It doesn't, because the dude's never going to live again for it to matter. But <laughs> I do wonder, like... About the dude that is the shell that the Keishi's using. <laughs> yep. So, um, he just... They're, they're all Nazis, so it doesn't matter. But presumably a lot of them are Keishi-inhabited creatures anyway. So, when the door girl cracks open the door after he knocks, he boots the door <laughs> back and she goes sprawling with it. Um, he tosses the gas cans inside and they explode before he closes the door. Uh, burning skinheads, they, they all kind of clamber out the door but trample on each other. And crowd the exit. When the boss man comes out, that Yosef guy, um, he starts for Stark Wait. and is... Oh, it's fine. Oh, you good? Yep. Yep, he makes a move for Stark and is immediately decapitated. Yeah. He's like, hey, you did... Oh, I'm dead. Too bad. Yep. Unlike Kasabian, he doesn't get to live on as a head. Um, no, because I think he gets to, like, order the blade to do what he wants. It's one of those vague magical... There's a certain way of cutting. Hmm. Um, yeah, and he hands that door girl the head and tells her to tell her friends that and any other Kishi to not go near his fucking donut place ever again. Just mine donut place. Just not for you. Um, I do remember that scene being great. Rereading it, I realised a short one, but it is still pretty. You know, it shows Stark. You know, it, it's like a really good example of him. Yeah. I'm ignoring all the cosmic Avengers Endgame shit. I'm just over here. And then they're like, well, it's starting to encroach on your turf. He's like, all right, I'm going to go overboard. <laughs> he it's very much a and I then, could operate at a one or I can operate at a one hundred. Yeah. There is no between. I love like even the way like he politely knocks on the door so that there's someone at the door when he kicks the fucking thing in. Yeah. Like yeah. He's got manners. I don't think he does. I just he's think he specifically wanted well. to hurt one of them. <laughs> Didn't matter which one as long as there's someone definitely there to get splintered. Exactly. Yeah. So the following night, again, rifling over some details, we see the triumphant return of Kasabian. Yeah, Kasabian. Um, he's barging back into Max Overdrive. His body's held together with screws and rods and all sort of stuff. He's even got one of those traction halos he keeping his head back looks on. Terrible. Yeah, looks like sad Robocop. But rotty. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, a fight between him and Stark breaks out. Parker and Mason took his parts and haphazardly threw him back together, specifically to kill Stark. Which, I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. did you really think that was going to work? He, I, look, I think they knew he was going to die. But if you remember the weapon they gave Kasabian, I think it was specifically to just blow up both of them. I know, but... They're really... selling Kasabian like he could do it. Yeah. But no, he's just literally a explosive. So he's got a magical weapon, like we said. It's the same one that that skinhead had at the Bembry house earlier. I forget what he calls it. Weird flower thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a stick that fires plasma. Um, Stark tells him, like, don't use it, man. It's definitely a trap. Everyone from the circle has been killed by those two, and that thing is rigged to, k- to kill us both. Like, who are you kidding? You're fucking Kasabian. They don't care. Um, Cass doesn't listen and uses it. Stark dives out of the way of the blast, but sure as shit, the weapon itself goes off with it, uh, blowing apart the entire room and Kasabian. Yay! Um, I mean, we like Kasabian, but yay! Boomy. Do we like Kasabian? I like Kasabian. He's such a dick. Like, all the time. But wouldn't you be? Like, he thought he'd found a group of friends. Really, they were just keeping him around so that they could laugh at him. Mm-hmm. He finally starts getting his crap together. Dude just walks in off the street and cuts your head off. Mm. Shoves you in a cupboard. You get taken out of cupboard to be, like, very poorly, shiftily put back together to be blown up. You want to keep going? I could, though. That's the problem. Like, of course he's a shitty person. He's been dealt a real crap hand. And he's just like, I'm done with this, but I'm not done with this. He he just complains a lot. (laughs) Again. He is... I know. After 11 books, I'm like, cut everyone some slack. (laughs) Shut up for five minutes. He's like, oh, everything's bad. I was like, it was bad for you yesterday. Shut up. (laughs) There's nothing new to report. Okay, next time that you have, like, a depressive episode or something, that's that's the advice I'm giving you. Yesterday was shit too. Shut up. Shut up. Um, After a cool scene in Purgatory with, with cats... Alright, that's a moment I'm quickly brushing over. You've also got Allegra and Vidoc being kidnapped by Parker as bartering chips. Booyah. Um, Stark goes to the one group who might help him take down an evil prick working with it and for the Kishi. Uh, and unfortunately, that's the Golden Vigil. Well, you know, they've demonstrated multiple times that they're not a fan of... They don't like him, but they are capable. Yeah. They don't really like them. Um, they explain the, pot, the plot unfolding around us. Well... Uh, Marshall Wells talks about how Alice died because that would guarantee Stark's return with his magical key loosening the walls of the universe as he travelled around with it. Mm -hmm. It was one thing when he was just going around hell, but he's literally breaking through heaven, hell, earth walls. Yeah. Um, Because the key wasn't made for that. Like, it could do it, but it wasn't made with that purpose in mind. It's it's not a recommended feature. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep, there's a plan to sacrifice the angel sex slaves at Avila on New Year's Eve. The amount of magic build-up in that moment could blow all the doors open now that they've got a little crack in them. Hellions on Earth, Keisha getting at heaven once again. Um, It's all very apocalyptic. Luckily for Wells, a guy who can walk in and out without triggering any traps or alarms just showed up to your situation. Yay! Stark wants to deal with stuff now that it's annoying him and wells wants to stop the um the angels from getting sacrificed but they they can't get into the place and he's like well why don't you why don't i teleport everyone in and then you like give me a hand later yeah i'll help you with your problem then you can help me with mine yeah 
So we then jump to the raid on Avila. I like the way it's written, like how the shotgun bullets are dipped in that Spiritus Day stuff from earlier, and uh, literally shooting through the spells and hexes themselves. Mm-hmm. Like it, it'd be a good visual to see done well. Like it's it's gory, especially the two ravenous creatures. The candy is in full, and uh, this this grammar is so shit. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, the ravenous creature that candy is. A jade. Yeah, when she turns into, like, a full-on monster jade. Um, I don't know if we got into a jade. It's kind of... It's a cross between a vampire and, like, a black widow spider. Yeah. She doesn't drink the blood so much as drink the goo. Yeah. Turn you into a goo. Goo, goo, sickle. Gross. Um, yeah, I like when she's all claws and shark teeth and those weird, creepy black and red eyes. Like, Stark is crushing hard. (laughs) You like them monster girls? I mean, they did spend a lot of time in hell. Yeah. And that means that she can look after herself, which was something that, like, Alice couldn't do. Yeah. She sure did it. Nah, she, she got her died. Yeah. So the two of them head to the brothelly bit and find a couple of Kishi waiting for them. Um, that's more good fight scene stuff. Those are the ones that recommended the apple fritters. So they get blown up. That's the thing, like, Richard Catry writes fight scenes really well. Yeah. You can, like, easily follow it, and it's written in, like, a choreographed dance kind of way. Like, it's so impressive, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, like, yeah, you can, it's like when we cover good comics, and you can really piece the spaces between the panels together well. Mm. It, it, it sort of does that in the same sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all very stereotypical once they get into the sacrifice area. You know, big robes, curly daggers and candles and all that shit. You know the trope. Ha-ha. <laughs> um, the Na'at's whips the dagger away in the nick of time, and the devil-worshipping folk that don't run are dealt with. The angels are saved. However, Parker wasn't there. Neither were his hostages. Mason is still off the radar, too. But at least Stark knows where to head next. Um, a place where the Circle used to party. Um, it is New Year's after all, so... Yeah. It's like a weird, shitty little hotel. Um, which is where Stark goes next, with a shotgun tucked in the 13 doors. Like in his little shadow room. Yeah, in case he needs it. Yeah. Um, and even with that, he still chooses to impale Parker with a broken plunger instead, like when he sneaks in. Well, he's, a shotgun is nice. But I'm going to stab you with a broken end of a plunger. Yeah, <laughs> that's not nice. Hmm. One might say. Unfortunately, he's been souped up with Kishi magic, so it'll take a little more than that. Um, he blasts Stark across the room and fucks him up pretty good. While gloating, he grabs Allegra for a kiss, who pokes his fucking eye out. He doesn't like that. He flails around. He's just firing a gun and throwing hexes wildly because he can't see. Then Stark pulls the shotgun out of the shadows under the bed and blows Parker's head off. Yeah. That's cool. He deserved it. He was a bad guy. Yeah. Do you never see Stark really use the 13 doors as a big pocket? No, um... Because I, I like when he can just... That he just pulled a shotgun out from under the bed because it was in the shadows. It's kind of like a Mary Poppins bag, almost. But he never of, uses but it that way. Yeah, but that's... I don't think it's, like... 
meant to be used that way. It's the same as, like, you shouldn't be using it to go between hell and earth. Yeah. That's not its intended purpose. Yeah, I suppose. Still a cool trick, though. Yeah. Um, with the pre-final boss defeated and the few clues getting put together, Stark heads to Mason's location, which is the empty space the Kishi were born into. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of Ac- the trench from Aquaman. Okay. Like, with the bug-like, horrible, um... Oh, you mean the Like, movie. angels? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Again, the visuals are amazing in the book, and I pray they measure up in the film one day. Um, remember how I said Mason's house was gone earlier? Yeah. It is just sitting here in the writhing Kishi masses. Yeah, he, he just... It's just kind of, like, bobbing around. Yeah. Stark has his enemy in his grasp, and they talk a little first, as you do. Mason has a big god complex to the point where he will work with the Kichi to take over Earth. Um, with the power that would bring, he will then march into hell. Take it for all it's worth, and magic, and men, and then storm heaven with the combined power of both. Um, with all three, he would be the new god. The Kishi can torture in hell, and Earth is just left to whoever is around. Yeah. Um, which could be Stark if he wants to join the Crusade. And in perfect Stark fashion, instead of mulling over the idea, he just starts lighting shit on fire. <laughs> well, why not? Old celestial maps, an aromatic tome, just whatever's around. Like, while Mason's doing his speech, it seems mildly convincing. You know, Stark's kind of wandering around, because he's like, you could have Earth, you could have Alice, you could do whatever you wanted, it would be your domain. He's like, hmm. Just starts, <laughs> just starts setting fire to shit. You've got some interesting points here. However, death. Yeah. Because I'm not a huge fan of you. You're a bit of a joke. Yeah, he's like, hmm, I could have Alice, huh? That is something to think about. And then you just imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, yeah. So the house is held in this place by Mason's magic, so it's a very big distraction when... You know, the house is on fucking fire. Just a little. Which starts to, like, tip the house. Like, it starts to wobble around a little bit. It's not doing so good. Stark doesn't want the earth. Fuck that place. All that matters is revenge. Yay! (laughs) Again, very Stark, right? Yeah. So they fight. There's lots of stabbing. Mason's trying to pull the key out of Stark. There's lots of curses. Um, like, the magic kind. Yeah. Lots of magic curses. (laughs) And the house disappears. I mean, there was probably a lot of swearing in between that as well. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, the house then disappears, and time and space bend as the key shifts and is fucked around with. The doors inside it are swinging, like, open and closed. Stark cuts Mason's hand off while it's still inside him. Ha ha! And the key should catch fire in the harsh light from the doorway, because they don't like sunlight. Well, they're born of the darkness. Yeah, so when one of the doors swings open and just, like, the sun is (laughs) blaring through it. Um, yep, so the two men fall into the room. Mason grows a hand back, but it's a gross Kishi angelic one. And Stark ducks out of the room into hell. Yep. Mason chases him into a hellion bar. Which, again, I I love... I love the entire sequence, really. Like, as much as Mason's an annoying twerp throughout the series... I do like this first encounter, like him running into the bar and Stark's like, I am Sandman Slim, that prick wants to bring the Kishi down here and kill you, then look at his fucking arm, it's an angel arm, I bring him to you as a gift, Merry Christmas. Yeah. 
um, a literal demonic bar fight against one man breaks out and Stark goes home, leaving Mason in hell either forever or until the mass of drunken, angry demons beat him to death. Yay! So there's a few loose ends to tie up after this big adventure. Um, Stark agrees to do a little freelance for the Golden Visual for big fat paychecks. Um, he's now got um, something called the Mithras from from Mr. Munin. Yeah. The last and oh, the first and last fire. Sorry. So it's like yeah, the the first it, little bit of flame in the universe, and apparently once you break the glass, it's in. It'll spread and pretty much reboot. <laughs> It's the Big Bang in a glass jar. Pretty much. Um, so he's literally like, I have this, so Alita, if you fuck with me, I'll break it. Which she would know exactly what it is, too. Yeah, and she would be likely to fuck with him otherwise. So it was a smart move. Sometimes he does things and you're like, aha. Aha. Oval, making everything not worth the cost. Yay. Um... So next he finally gets the bullet from Kasabian out of him. Seeing Dokinski about them, they have they you know, they have a talk. It's not the talk. No. But a big talk, like it's not birds and bees stuff. Kingski reveals himself to be Uriel. Uriel? Uriel. I don't I don't know. It's an angel thing. An archangel who left heaven to be with humans. Honestly, it's a little bit Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two and that kinda of spoils more than what I'm gonna reveal here. But Stark survived hell because he is an all man. Yep. His real father was Angel. Yep. That's why he lost it in hell in the first place, why he's so adept magically, why the real angels hate him, and why Hellions also aren't really particularly fond of him. He's too much of one thing and not enough of the others. Yeah, he doesn't. Ew. Sorry. Um, they hate him because he's got a human half. The others hate him because he's got an angel half. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of those links between worlds, but no one likes him from either side. Because he shouldn't exist. Yeah. Technically, his daddy did a no-no. Mm-hmm. So after the celestial talk there, Stark goes to drink and eat Mexican food at his bamboo bar, only to be celebrated as a fucking hero. I mean, he did save the world. Well... Yeah, Mason was a pain in a lot of asses, and frankly, lots of subrosa in town have come to see Sandman Slim's hangout. Um, from this point on, Bamboo House of Dolls becomes a bit of a magic punk hotspot. Sort of becomes like a cultural landmark for everyone. Yeah. Um, outside, we meet Medea Bava, a creepy face-changing antagonist. Um, we get some more of Wells as well. As much as I want to see the guy get smashed to bits, I like that they share a little moment here. Yeah. Look, I hate him. But in a good way. See, I, don't I don't remember. I don't remember if we covered it last week, but he is like a perfect antagonist against Stark. Yeah. Which is kind. Of, which is why you hate him. But it's for all the right reasons. You know what I mean? Like it's. You you hate him because he's so perfect for what he's doing. Yeah. You know he is religious. He is organized. <laughs> He has his shit together. But that's the thing. Like, he has, he, he's like the exact opposite of everything about Stark. And that's the thing. He's too perfect in a perfect way. Yeah. It's like what we say about like actors that you hate just looking at them because of roles and stuff that they do. Yeah. It's not anything against the actor. They just did a really fucking good job. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, he, he does make a very good and tidy villain for the anti-hero trash that is Stark. You know, they, they talk about how it's okay that he's in love with the leader. And he had showed up out of his way, like, in this moment to make sure Alice's ashes went to Stark personally. Yeah. That's why he's there in the first place. Um, yeah, I do like that moment. They do, like, there are a couple of good moments. Yeah. Because they respect each other. But not really. For who they are. But they also are like, eh, but you're not great. Yeah, I'd piss on your grave, but, you know, but out of respect. I'd, I'd piss on your grave if it was on fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's, like, a real fucking weird, sad, sad moment when he, like, lets Alice's ashes out to sea and stuff. Yeah. Um, later on, maybe a day or so, we meet Lucifer. Kaya, you like him? I do like Lucifer. Is it... And I think Lucifer would play a great Lucifer. I don't know how to fucking... I don't know who the actor Look... from Lucifer is. But he's a great Lucifer. I do like having you describe the characters as much or as little as you like, but Lucifer's Lucifer. I don't know what to fucking tell you. <laughs> it's a bit of a tricky one. Well, he... Lucifer in this is a very complex character. Because... So, the war from heaven happened so long ago that he's kind of hit that point where he's like, I've done the rebellious thing. Yeah, he was kind of like a rebellious teenager when it happened and now he's older. I just really want to go home and hang out with the family and, like, Christmas is really lonely. And so he's got that, like, snarky, you can still tell that once upon a time, he was a rebellious teen. And I think you see some of it in Stark, too, which is why they're buddies. Yeah, but at the same time, he's also like... I I can say that I did some things wrong. Dad did some things wrong. We'll never see eye to eye, but we can see close enough that, like, I'd give him a hug if I saw him. But he is still, like, Satan, so there's still, like, a suave sinisterness about the guy at all times. Oh, yeah, and, like, he wears very dark clothing. We find out later that it's for the purposing of if anyone makes him bleed, no one can see it. Because he's perpetually bleeding from the strike that God put on him, which he refuses to heal just out of spite. Yeah. Again, very stark. They probably see a lot in each other. Yeah, and, like, I don't know, he's doing his best because he's like, I put myself in this situation, but at the same time, God damn it. Yeah. Minus the, you know, Lord's name in vain stuff. I'm sure he would. Fuck you, Dad. Yeah, but he might refer to them by their actual names. Yeah. So, yeah, he rocks up at um, Max Overdrive. He sits his bag down and they discuss Mason, who did not die, and is down in hell somewhere doing something. Of course. Yep. Um, They talk about all the recent events, how much Lucifer knows, or how much he was involved in Stark and all that in the first place. I like that he's into horror movies and he's just the right amount of charming and charismatic. Like, he wants the key back, but Stark offers to just work freelance if the key is needed for something. Yeah. Which is pretty much what he told her later. But they part on decent enough terms, and he leaves the bag behind as a present. Yeah. And, again, another great moment I'd like to see in the fucking movies properly. So he's like, hmm. And he, <laughs> he, he goes to unzip the bag, 
and Kasabian's head's like, hey, asshole, and he's like, fuck, and, like, zips the bag up out of, like, like, fuck, <laughs> I've got him back, god damn it. I thought I had finally got rid of this fucker. Yep, he is not alive, he, he's alive, he doesn't have a body, though. Um, you know, what, what did Stark say to him when he went to hell? Is ask around and say, I'm a body of Sam and Slim, do you have work for me? And Lucifer decided to use him for work. Basically a two-way communicator to Stark. I mean, I don't think cell phone coverage really works that well. Yeah, well, look at you. Um, yeah, the two circle rejects sit on the bed and watch movies together and order a pizza. Um, they have to put a bucket onto Kasabian. He still likes to eat. Goes straight through. Yeah, but he still likes eating. Because food is good. Food is good. And that is the moral of the story. He can taste it, he just doesn't need it to live. Yeah. But, yeah, that's how we close out the book. They're just, you know... Mm-hmm. Eating pizza and watching flicks. The end. What do you think of the book? I love the book. Yeah. Considering we got it, like, just because the covers were fancy. Yeah, we bought it on a whim. Yeah. But throughout, it's well written. The characters are very much, like... You know... They're very believable characters, all of them. And you can see, like, like we said last week, or last episode, whatever it was, the, um, like, the characters are so well developed that they interact with each other in different ways. Like, it's not a similar interaction at all. And that's really cool to see. Yeah. And, like, because this is only the first book, like, it goes to clearly a lot of good we can't go into it. Too, yeah. But, like, there must be, like, a necronomicon of everything that happens in the universe. Like a big series because, Bible. But that's the thing, like, there are so many callbacks throughout it and things that, like, don't make sense until you get further into the series where you're like, oh... I remember that. Hang on a second. That completely changes what that was because it's this now. Yeah, like I struggle to keep track of Medea Bava. Yeah. Because there's so much shit going on constantly. And it's well written, but that's one of those ones I'm like, I'm going to have to reread like a few select books just to follow that arc properly. Um, I think for her it does go that way because she only pops up every now and then. Well, she's like an underlining B-plot build-up yeah. until it's built up. And then you're like, oh, fuck. But that's the thing, like... It I do, is I do like her... You um, have to be engaged with the book in order to read it. You yeah, can't yeah. just, like... You have to be... Oh, I'm gonna, you know, casually read this for a little bit. Yeah. You have to actually read. Mm-hmm. It's not just like a TV show where you can't be on your phone. You actually have to pay attention. Watch the subtitles. Yeah. Um... Do you have a homework question for this one? I do not have a homework question for this one. Would you recommend the series? I would recommend the series. Would you recommend waiting for the movie? Or would you rather just not risk a movie? Read it. Yeah. Because I have been burnt in the past. It's getting tricky to track down too, as it turns out. So, yeah, read it if you can. Mm. It's it's slightly concerning that they're just going to find some dude to put on the front cover. Yeah, that's the thing that scares me the most. I don't think they're discontinuing the series as much as they're going to cast an actor and put him on the cover. Like they do with Ready Player One and every fucking chick flick in the last 15 years. 
that it, it all goes that way. Yeah. And it's yucky because I like the covers, and that's why we're here in the first place. Yeah. Um, a homework question off the top of my head would be like, what would you like to see? Like, we've got one more book coming, hmm. but what would else would you like to see this franchise do? Because we still have our Christmas tree up at the time of recording this, and I would be so on board for a Stark Saves Christmas short story. Just, I just want, <laughs> I just love the idea of that grumpy, violent, evil bastard having to get into a Christmas spirit. Because you know, candy would be all over that shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know because. And this is going to sound like kind of like a lame answer. Cadre mm. does such a good job at like pulling shit out of the middle of nowhere that I'm like, I can't do that. Like, anything I come up with doesn't feel genuine to the characters. Yeah. We could always talk about what, what a, you know, let's do the age old, really sucky one of. 2021. What what are we, you know, what are we hoping for in 12 months' time? The, the last book to be good, I guess. Well, we know that's going to happen. An actual movie announcement? That would be nice. We'd, we'd know who's producing it, directing it. Something um, like that. Yeah, it's in episode one. It's probably in some of my older notes. But it's the dude who made the John Wick movies, which I have not seen, because there's a over-influx of Keanu Reeves. Yeah. The guy seems flawless and wonderful and delightful. If you like that kind of shit. But they cash in so much. (laughs) Let the guy have a break or something. I don't know what to tell you. I didn't like Matrix, and I don't like Bill and Ted, so it's kind of... Chad Stan Helsick. Yeah. Helsicky? Whatever you like. Um, Chad. If there was anything I'd like... I would like to see this franchise done by like... 2009 Rocksteady. I'd like to see a video game. Because like... The the guys who made the Arkham games. They... This has a lot of combat in it. Yeah. It has a lot of detective-y shit in it. And it has a lot of like key locations I would like to see like fleshed out. Yeah. And that I could explore. I don't, I don't. I would like to see like a really well done video game, which is the same as the God Agree books too. Like, there's enough of everything that I like in a Batman video game, like as staples to the franchise. So I would like to see it translated done. Well. See, a problem that I have with it is that because I like it, I want more stuff. But at but the you same also don't time, want to touch it. I don't want more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's one of those, like, hard balances. Yeah. And, like, I would love to have all of the merchandise. And I want it to be, you know, all of the stuff that Harry Potter has. But I don't want it to be, like, a phenomenon. You know what? The It's hard now because of the Marvel Cinematic stuff. But. Oh, it's also hard because James Bond sucks. But. <laughs> depending on how the final book goes. Mm-hmm. If it ends with, you know, everything's all back to normal and all that sort of stuff. I'd be 
more than happy to have just arbitrary misadventure stories. They don't fit into a canon. There's no overarching shit. Just short, casual stories, like like old James Bond movies, or like fucking the Raymond Chandler, like Philip Marlowe detective books. Yeah. Because you can read them in any fucking order. They don't matter. Poodle Springs mattered. Yeah. But he also died halfway through writing it, so I don't know if it even fucking counts. That's the only one that has real callbacks, but... I'd be happy just sitting around with lots of little adventures that don't really affect anything. Yeah. Kind of like old school Batman books, even. I don't know. We'll wait and see what happens. Yeah. How are we doing for time? 40. That, that, that will have to do... <laughs> Unless you want to... Fuck it. What, which one... Alright, fr- from here on out, if you... It's weird because we just spoiled all of book one, but if you don't want to spoil any more, have a good one. Goodbye. With that one out of the way, what are some of your favourite moments in the entire fucking series so far? Um, you can't just throw that on a person. Well, what, what's like your... What is some of the stuff in your Sandman highlight reel? Um, I like when they go to Allegra's place and... You know, deal with her ex. Oh yeah, I do love that bit. The everything. What which book is that from? Is that from Devil Said Bang? Probably. I don't, I don't know. That might be actually being Kill City Blues. Like right towards the end of Kill City Blues, which is one of my favorite ones. Kill City Blues is pretty good. I know it's just them exploring a mall for half of the book, but it's like I said, it's a fun adventure. The reasons they get there, are, you know, they they matter and what they're doing matters. But it's still a little... It's kind of like a little enclosed adventure. Yeah. And I like that sort of stuff. Um, yes, I do love them dealing with Allegra's ex-boyfriend. I like everything in Devil's Head Bang immediately after he gets back from hell. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, politics when he's doing the hell stuff, which kind of feels slow to me. But everything in that book afterwards, it just fucking hits the accelerator and I like it. I have such a good time with that one. But I think that's something that these books do in general. Hmm. You know, they sit there and you've got to get through, like, the first part and then all of a sudden it just goes bang. It's kind of like what we said in our actual episode notes. Like, Stark is staying out of shit as much as he can. Until, until it can't. until it gets on his lawn and then he cracks the shits. It's, it's you know, perfect World War Two. America's like, nah, 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 hang on, you bombed Pearl Harbor, fuck you all. Yeah, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> that's stark as a historical event. He fucking is too, because he would retaliate with two nukes. <laughs> you know exactly what he's fucking like, man. He's like, I will deal with you as quickly and as painfully as humanly possible. Alright, what's your favourite error of Kasabian? Do you like him with the bucket? With no. the skateboard? With the dog body? Or the robot, kind of human-shaped dog body. Probably in a tracksuit. Probably his tracksuit days. With the robot hands poking out of the sleeves. Like all I every time that it like mentions it, all I can think of is like a sloshy noise. Yeah, you can and think it of makes the sound. Like, sick in my throat. <laughs> Even now, like talking about it, I'm like, ah. Hmm. And you know it's really wet too because of all the beer he's constantly drinking and his porn addiction. And people have to like empty that. See, that's what I mean about him bitching constantly. 
because he should be a little more grateful for the people that are definitely having to clean out his bucket. Like, yeah, but he has a bucket! He's got to have a bucket. You got no body. You are, you are a bucket on legs with a head on it. You empty your buckets. Yeah, but I'm not a bucket. <laughs> he is more bucket than person. Depends on how big the bucket is. What colour bucket. bucket you reckon it is? Silver. You like a metal bucket? Yeah. Alright, cool. Does that have any stickers on it? No. I bet it has a max overdrive sticker on no, the side No, it's probably of it. still got like the one from where they purchased it. Because it used to be the mop bucket downstairs in max overdrive. And then Stark was just like, it's still got there the, go. It's still got the fucking Walmart yeah. bucket on yeah. the side of it. Yeah. Alright. Uh, do you have any other characters you like that aren't in the first book? You a big Manimal Mike fan or anything like that? You can't spring this shit on a person. That's like six... I'm, well, I'm like six books in. Yeah. That's a lot of book. And I... And you're like halfway. Read terribly. Yeah. I have a lot of things going on this year. Yeah. All right. It's been a big horrible year for everyone. But it might have been over by now, depending on when this episode is. Well, this episode's going to come out at some point. But right now, what? I'm going to skedaddle. Alright. So. Thank you for listening to us cover a book we like well we've done well look it didn't totally fit the school of wayward nerds sure it does no no it will you have to read a novel in school okay we just didn't want to do william shakespeare again i never did shakespeare i did the whole i did catcher in the rye and i didn't like it i've never read that either we did i did frankenstein what's what's the what's the holocaust one they make everyone read 1948 or whatever Oh, I didn't read that one. No, I did that one. I think that's about it. I was advanced English. I was not. Alright. <laughs> Farewell. Yep, I've been your host, Toby, for another week. Have a good time. Enjoy your nerdy presence. And sweet Fallout New Vegas mask look cool. Yeah. Well, if we're going to live apocalyptic, let's fucking do it properly. Mad Max, baby. Class. Dismissed.